What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the Bonafide Listen. My name is Kevin Garcia. Joining me is Anil Singh, and we're going to talk about everything from this week in the world of pro wrestling, including Bailey's promo from SmackDown. We're fresh on the heels of that as we record on Friday night after SmackDown, like we do every week. We're going to talk about Triple H. We have an interesting theory that Triple H doesn't actually bury people. I know what you're thinking. You, some of you might turn the podcast off as soon as you hear that. But I don't know if Anil did, but I, I especially subscribed to this theory for about maybe two or three years when I when I went through like my smart phase as a fan back in 2012-13. I subscribed to this theory that Triple H buried everybody, especially after he quote-unquote buried CM Punk. Even though after Triple H beat him, Punk ended up having a long reign. But that's enough about that. We're going to get into that later on in the show. But Anil, how you doing, sir? I'm absolutely fine, Kevin. It's a, uh, a late night here in the UK. It's 3:30 a.m., but I'm ready to start wrestling, and I'm surprised SmackDown didn't put me to sleep. But uh, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. There you have it. SmackDown, to say to say the least, SmackDown was a sleeping pill. I, I got to be honest. I was flipping channels. I was watching the Nuggets and Clippers have a, a all-out war. Nuggets came back, got the win. So I was really zoned in on that. I watched the big things from SmackDown. I saw the the Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman segment to open the show. I saw the Bailey promo. I saw the main event. I I, I saw the the Bray Wyatt thing. Well, where do you want to? I know you really. I know you're you're really hot on both topics, Bailey and Bray Wyatt. So it's up to you. Where do you want to start? Right. So we'll start with the good, I suppose, because you know I don't want to start on the negative. So with Bailey's promo tonight, I thought she did a fucking amazing job. You know, it was very, very reminiscent for me of the late, great Eddie Guerrero Mm. back in 2005. And you know what? A lot of people agreed on this Mm. on social media, at least where I was checking. And, you know, the whole setup, the whole vibe, you know, sitting on that single chair in the ring, the camera, you know, the way she cut the promo in terms of her, you know, um, the timing and everything she said, you know, is very, very good. Can can, can can I stop you real quick? I'm sorry. I hate to cut you off, but can I bring something up that I don't know if you thought of? Okay, go for it. Do, do you do you have a theory as to why she did the hit the promo like Eddie Guerrero? Well, I just think it's ironic, isn't it? Just because Sasha's the uh, Eddie Guerrero fan, isn't she? So it's anything it's that came nice into my head. Wrinkle. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was and thinking. Uh, it's like that's perfect. That's Sasha's favorite wrestler ever, as we all know. Yeah, and uh, you know, as I was saying, it's just it's just a brilliant way. To you know, to start. So um, I just thought, you know, she knocked it out of the park. You know, I was hoping that they wouldn't go down the street. I think you and me both discussed this prior to SmackDown tonight. We just hoped that you know the promo wouldn't be something silly. And you know, she just said it. Look, it made sense, which is the biggest thing. She said, look, if Sasha, if I hadn't attacked Sasha, then she would have attacked me. Makes perfect sense. And uh, you know, she just used it to get the success that she did. And out of the two of them, I think it's fair to say Bailey had more of the success than. Sasha did. I mean, you know, so it for me, brilliant. That's the way I wanted this promo, this feud to start. And uh, yeah, it'll just be uh, interesting to see how this goes from here. I've got to give them credit for that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people expected Sasha to be the one to turn. So it really made sense that she kind of embraced that in the promo. And she brought that up, essentially, without yeah. directly saying it. But uh, most of us, I think I would say about 9 out of 10 wrestling fans were like, oh yeah, Sasha's going to be the one to turn. It made sense because Bailey was screwing her over constantly and it was seeming like we were going to get a, a babyface turn from Sasha. I don't want to say we got a heel turn from Bailey, but now Bailey went from being like a cool heel to like a legitimate heel that people want to see get, people want to see Sasha come back and kick her ass. 
Before, if there was a crowd, Sasha and Bailey would have been getting cheered because they're just so charismatic. But now they made sure that Bailey's going to get booed. And yeah, they had a lot of fake boos on this show. We'll talk about that with Roman if, if we get there. But there was a ton of fake boos. And and when there are, when fans do return, there are going to be real boos for Bailey. So bottom line, she's a true heel. And she's instantly one of the five best heels in wrestling right now. Yeah, I absolutely cannot disagree with that. And uh, yeah, this just needed to be done, you know, for whoever was going to turn heel just to establish them as that, you know, heel that, you, like you said, you want to see them get their comeuppance. So, you know, I'm happy with it. And uh, yeah, really good start um, in this, uh, you know, long-awaited feud between the two. Yes, sir. All right, let's talk about Bray Wyatt. I know, I know you've got a lot to say about Bray Wyatt. Uh, he had a segment with with uh what was it called wobbling walrus i think is the name and they had the vince puppet the vince puppet's hilarious like that's a classic all-time classic bit in my opinion so we get uh we were promised this massive like oh we're, this massive story like bray wyatt's gonna announce a new friend and we're all expecting it's gonna be alexa bliss and then boom it's wobbling walrus which is just a paul Heyman puppet it makes sense because the fiend is gonna be feuding with roman reigns going forward so it does make sense that this happened but with all the hype i was expecting something more yeah, I mean, look, my, my main problem with this, right, is just I look back to the beginning of Bray Wyatt and his character, you know, when he debuted. So, obviously, when he debuted with the Wyatt family, you know, the potential was absolutely incredible. And then, you know, we, we don't need to go into the history there. We know what happened. It failed. And, uh, you know, they had to repackage him and, you know, try and salvage this character in a creative way so then last year of course he re-debuted as the fiend and uh, well as firstly you know uh funhouse bray then the fiend and my my expectations maybe it's my fault you know for setting those expectations but when i saw him beat finn balor at SummerSlam and the presentation and all that sort of stuff and to where he is now am i happy with the way that things have gone it would be a lie to say that i am absolutely I'm not happy with, you know, what they've done up to now. You know, you look back at the key moments, the way he lost to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia, you know. Ultimately, yes, they put themselves into a corner once again and Roman had no choice but to win at payback. That's something else. And then now with these, you know, these new characters in the in the, in, in the uh, fun house and then the Alexa Bliss stuff, I get the Alexa Bliss stuff to a degree when, you know, is she now like the official sister Abigail, all that stuff, I get it, but for me, where I see the character, you know, where I saw it would be when he debuted to where it is now, for me, it's flopped. I mean, I'm not saying they can't recover the guy, but it shouldn't be at this stage where we're having to think of how can he recover. We should be thinking of Bray Wyatt as the fucking biggest thing in the company at the moment in terms of his niche of character, which is this mysterious guy. You know, and for me, when I'm seeing these new characters being evolved and it introduced you into his puppet house, you know, Wobbly Walrus and all this and that, it just... just fucking feel so lame and i don't think i'm the only one in saying that you know they're just not putting him in the right direction and that's why i'm just ranting on the fact that their use of bray wyatt is a crime at the moment especially the way they're going down that's just my opinion on it you know i think you know i'm not wrong in saying that it's probably not what you expected either kevin because it's safe to say it's their own fault but it's not what i want to see with bray the the biggest the biggest pushback I've had on the Bray character is the three faces of Wyatt that they're trying to do. Like it's just that they they should stay far away from the original Bray Wyatt character because that character was just lifeless. Like 
that character is just such a joke. He couldn't beat anybody. The only person of note he could beat was Dean Ambrose. And what does that even really mean? So that the fact that they keep bringing that character back and or not to keep bringing it, but the fact that they've tried to introduce this three faces of Wyatt has kind of turned me off a little bit. Like it, it we should it, the way that the character distribution should be is we should be seeing 75% of the fiend and 25% of Firefly Firefly Funhouse Bray. I, I we don't need to see a Firefly Funhouse every week. I think that's probably a part of it too. That that's like if we had that's like if we had an Undertaker promo every week. People would get tired of the Undertaker, kind of like how with Kane they did Kane promos every week. But every time every time Undertaker grabbed the mic, it was special. And it's just it's get it's getting to the point where it's not really special with Bray now. I, I don't want to say that the character's finished or that the Fiend, you know, the, like what what can they really realistically? What else can they do with the Fiend? He's he's been the the top guy of SmackDown for a, the better part of late 2019, most of 2020. Uh, the the Braun Strowman feud was just eh, was what it was, but he's gonna come back. He's gonna feud with Roman Reigns, and I, I think a couple bad weeks is something that that we'll be forgetting about because he's gonna be feuding with Roman Reigns soon enough. Yeah, I mean, look, ultimately, yeah, they're gonna put him into the top feud on SmackDown, hundred percent. But it's the fact that you know, look at Roman Reigns now. Since he's come back, the guy's been money. You know, he he just fucking has that aura now in the ring. You know, he, he you just see him when Jey Uso was coming out to the ring and Roman's just there looking. He just looks like a fucking star. And with Bray, they've just kind of had him take too many steps back and then just the one step forward. So I just hope that they prove me wrong. But at the moment, you know, I'm just not liking what they're doing. And I think it's a fair comment in the sense that we've seen their history with Bray, you know, ruining the first run that he had. So I'm not too confident with the way they go about using Bray. But let's hope for the best, but expect the worst. But yeah, that's my little rant there on Bray. Um, I'm sure people will obviously disagree or agree. But at the end of the day, you know, it's an interesting topic regardless. So what I, what I want to talk about now, I want to bring it back to Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Retribution. Like, honestly, for me, Retribution is really the only thing that's worth talking about from this week's Raw. I, I'm just, like, a lot. I think a lot of people are agree, in agreement. I've seen this go, been tossed around, people saying this, that they need to get to the point with Retribution. What is, like... God, like that pro. Did you see the segment with them from that from Monday? Yes, backstage. Yeah, the backstage promo. Like now they have a logo. They got this guy talking. It reminded me of nails. They had this like fake voice. <laughs> it, it was just yeah. not good. It was just like G-rated Nickelodeon crap. It, this guy, I forgot what he even said, but I imagine it was something like, "Oh, we are here to take over WWE." And like, first of all, why does Retribution have a logo? First of all. What they're they're supposed to be this like anarchist group that that doesn't stand for anything, but they have time to make a logo. Second of yeah, all, yeah, so so fucking they... corporate. Yes, corporate exactly. It's WWE. They want to sell T-shirts. Why are they cutting promos? Why we don't even know what these guys look like. We don't know who they are. We at this point, I don't really care who they are. I'm not. I I was super interested in the story when it happened. Like, it debuted, what, like, two months ago now? And they still haven't gotten to the point. It's been two months, these guys, like... And then they're they're off SmackDown one week. They're on SmackDown the next week. They're, they haven't been on pay-per-views. Then they're not on Raw. Then they're on Raw. I, I just... It seems like this is an afterthought. Like, it seems like this is something that they want to push. But they just can't really seem to find a way to fit it into every show. Well, the report I read on the dirt sheets was that Vince is booking this on a whim... 
So that doesn't really fill me with any confidence reading that. And secondly, um, in regards to you know them cutting a promo, let look the the. the the logo thing is complete bullshit. You know, obviously they shouldn't be having something like that. It just, you know, takes away the believability. But as far as cutting a promo, I'll go as far to say this to you, Kevin. I don't think they should be even cutting a promo. I think really, if you're a fucking anarchist group in the company, if you're a group that's not supposed to be there, end of story, why are you being given, you know, a slot in a TV program where you're not scheduled to be, you know, to give you that promo time? It just doesn't make sense. They should be fucking saying their words while they get the chance to be on camera. So say while they're not supposed to be there, say ambushing somebody, that's when they should be getting their words in. Not having this, you know, lovely slotted scheduled promo time backstage it just loses that value i mean look it's hard enough these days to believe stuff anyway in the wrestling world but then when this sort of stuff happens you know even the most passionate of fan is not going to be watching with any sort of interest and yeah you're right they need to get to the point they just need to tell us right what the script is and it's just soon enough going to get to one of those things again isn't it like wwe's lost opportunities what could have been you know until they reveal at least one member i could care less yeah, think about where it started. The first time they showed up, it was like a Nexus-like takeover. They're attacking yeah. the, the, the wrestlers that were planted as fans back in that era when they still had planted fans. They were like they were spray-painting all over the plexiglass on the screen. They were met, They were just like... They had Tom Phillips... Not Tom Phillips. Corey Graves and Michael Cole scared for their lives. They, they caused mass chaos. And then now they're relegated to like a 30-second backstage promo. It just it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, look, like I said, the report that I read, I can totally believe it now because, you know, what I'm seeing in front of me doesn't exactly, you know, tell me that they're doing the opposite. They are just looking like every week they, you know, are thinking, shall we put them on screen? Shall we not? Shall we give them a bit more of a, you know, loose cannon vibe? Shall we not? You know, it's just so inconsistent. And, you know, I am not really you know, looking at Raw and SmackDown every week thinking, oh, will I, see, will I see retribution? Whereas with a group like this, I should be thinking that. I should be thinking, when am I seeing this group next and what the fuck are they going to do? I don't get that vibe. So for me, instantly, they're just not doing the right thing. And, you know, that's not the first time we've said that about WWE, God knows. But the point is, is this is something that they had a chance with and still do. I'll give them. I will say this, they still do have a chance to recoup it, but they better think fast because it's slowly losing interest you know this is going to be like a gm angle soon you know the laptop reveal that's going to be <laughs> up there with you, you know it, it, I, i'm not joking to you that's where i can put this up there with oh my god yeah for sure um all right so the next thing we got to talk about there's been some cuts from the wwe roster so far all we know is that it's been backstage talent um, irs gerald briscoe and that's pretty much it we only have those two names that is, as the time of this recording and I assume there's going to be some wrestlers. It's going to come out. Eventually, there's going to be some wrestlers. It's probably not all going to be backstage talent. But not, this is not surprising that we're seeing another round of cuts with WWE losing so much revenue from not having fans and that extra stream of revenue. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, um, it's, it's, it's no no secret that, you know, even with the WWE being as um, heavily pocketed as they are in the finance, in the financial sense, you know, they'd be making cuts. Who could forget, you know, Black Wednesday, as they called it early in the year. And, you know, cuts for me aren't a surprise at any point in the year now because I'm expecting them to cut people here and there. And when I heard this news about Gerald Briscoe and IRS, 
I, I forgot for a second they were even still employed, but it's still bad to hear that they have been let go. And then another bad thing I heard was that, you know, a lot of live event staff have been let go, you know, people who set up the rings and all that sort of stuff. And I feel bad for them because, look, yes, we don't have any live events at the moment, but, you know, these guys have still got jobs. You know, they've still got to, you know, earn a living like the rest of us. And it's just disheartening. Oh, yeah, so the thing is, is it's like... <sighs> I don't know. I think a, a company is, as the size of WWE, yes, they're still a business, but I'd like to think they can, you know, furlough their staff instead of letting them go, you know, and even then, it's just, at least they're getting a paycheck through the door, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't really know what to say on this subject apart from it's just unfortunate, and I just hope these guys, you know, don't suffer from this in the worst way, which is, you know, have these massive financial issues, which, you know, you just don't want to hear, but... I don't know, man. It's just uh, one for me, which is just uh, not great. Every time you hear that anybody's left the company. Yeah. All right. So here now we're gonna we're gonna take the edge off. Now we're gonna get a little controversial. So people on the internet, as soon as the the rumors came out, people on the internet were saying Velveteen Dream needs to be at the top of the list. Do you agree or disagree? Agree. Very fair. Now, hypothetically. We've seen a lot of um, released talent make their way over to All Elite Wrestling. What would what would you think of AEW if they brought in Velveteen Dream? If he's released, hypothetically. Well, you know, I my jaw would be my jaw would be dropping to the ground literally because for all AEW stand for and that they've led us to believe. That would be the worst move up until there's any concrete evidence that this man has done nothing wrong. And then I could have no issue with it. But are you saying if WWE released him now and then say AEW signed him in, say, a couple of months' time? Is that what you're saying to me Or after his no-compete? Yeah, yeah, like like with, with Matt Cardona and Rusev, like as soon as their they're no-compete's done, Velveteen Dream Band is on Dynamite. <laughs> No, no, not for me. If unless they have unless they have a death wish of, you know, fans ridiculing them and calling them hypocrites because like I said, unless, you know, there's some concrete evidence that comes out and, you know, says that this man is innocent of all that he's been accused of, then until that point, if it if that was even to be the case, then no, it would be the worst move they could do, you know? So I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest they do that, and I don't think they'd be stupid enough to do that either. But what's your thoughts on this, Kevin? I'm I'm, I'm hoping you'd agree with me on that. Yeah, I would. I would be shocked. First of all, I, I don't think Velveteen Dream is going to be released. I, I just don't see that happening. They've already brought him. Why, like they brought him back on TV. Well, why would they bring him back on TV if they were just going to cut him two weeks later? That I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. But I, I don't see it happening. Um, yeah. And yeah. If AEW. If AEW were to bring him in immediately, I would question AEW's ethics. Now, I, I I like to think that if AEW were to bring him in, Tony Khan would come out and be very open and transparent, like he like he seemingly always is with everything, and would say, "Look, we did a background check on Velveteen Dream. the the case The case went to court. The man is clear." Like I, I would imagine Tony Khan, he, he's shown to have more integrity than, than most people in WWE. So I imagine Tony Khan would come out and address it. I don't think it's something that would be swept under the rug. 
I, I just think, you know, even talking about the subject and at all or him getting involved in this potentially is just something you'd want to swerve altogether. I mean, why would you want to even take up that pressure of even having to answer towards any of this Velveteen, you know, dream drama? I'd rather just leave it be and just, you know, focus on what you have in the company, which is tremendous talent. I mean, I know we're talking hypotheticals here, but, you know, if I was Tony Khan... I'd stay well clear of any sort of situation like that. You know, why pick up WWE's mess that, you know, they've created? Because in my opinion, they could solve it by just letting the guy go. And, you know, all right, if he's proven innocent, bring him back. That simple. But, you know, I, I just wouldn't think Tony Khan's dumb enough to pick up on, you know, this bad negative, you know, publicity I guess he'd, he'd receive. Yeah, and it's not it's not like um it's not it's not like Velveteen Dream is like a world mover, a needle mover. It's just he wouldn't be a major addition to AEW. I, I think it would do more bad than good if they were to bring him in. Yeah. Exactly. Just not worth it, is it? I mean what are you gonna get more out of it, you know, positive or negative? Well definitely not positive anyway, so it's just not even worth considering even if the opportunity came up. Yeah, exactly. All right, so now we got to talk about Matt Hardy. So yeah. at, Saturday night at All Out, Matt Hardy took a dastardly bump. Man, oh, you saw it, right? That was fucking ridiculous, bro. Absolutely ridiculous. And I know a lot of people are quick to say, oh, Sammy Guevara can't wrestle. See, AEW should have never brought him back. He sucks. Yeah. Bottom line, it's, it's something that can happen to anyone. It, yes. Things happen. It's not Matt Hardy's fault. It's not Sammy Guevara's fault. It's just something that happens when you're doing dangerous stuff like that. Out of anything, the move shouldn't have happened to begin with on, on concrete floor. What, why, are you, why are you doing a table spot on, on, on concrete floor like that? Exposed concrete. It's just, it... Have they have they never heard of uh, a guy called New Jack? <laughs> I think you know? they have. I think they have. I, I think well. they have. I, I'm pretty sure MJF mentioned New Jack in a promo like a week or two ago on Dynamite. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> um, yeah, this Matt Hardy, his wife was livid. If you were following her Twitter, if you were following her her on Twitter, she was live tweeting during that during that match with Sammy Guevara. And the fact that the doctor let Matt continue, based on him saying he's okay, oof, man, that was brutal. Not a Firstly, I don't I don't fucking blame his wife. To be fair, I know she's quite outspoken, but. You know, I'd probably be in the same position as her if it was my family member, you know, seeing that in front of my own eyes, and especially with his young family. And, uh, yeah, the doctor, you've got to fucking question that shit. You know, if Matt wanted to, you know, take uh, AEW to um, some sort of, I'm not saying years, but he would be well within his fucking rights if he wanted to take legal action because, you know, what kind of... I'm no doctor or anything, I'll, you know, no shit, but at the end of the day, even I can see that that's not a great decision because it could have been a lot worse than they actually happened, than actually um, ended up being. Yeah, Matt Hardy, for me, for me, Matt Hardy, this is like, he's already at the stage of his career where he doesn't even need to do these kind of things. He's Matt Hardy. He's Matt freaking Hardy. He's a proven legend. I get it, he wants to help Sammy Guevara get over and become a star, but... Is that how you do it? I don't know. It's just no, weird. it's not worth that risk, is it? It's just not worth it. I mean, you know, he's inches away there from ending up permanently hurt. And then, like I said, he's got a young family. And at the stage that we're in in the world at the moment, you know, would you want to inflict any self, you know, self self issues with your health? 
on your family there. So no, it's not worth it. And I just, I just hope um, they learn from it. AEW that it's unneeded. You know, I'm sure Matt Hardy's, uh, you know, clever enough to know that it's not going to be happening again. Any spot like that. Like, like at some point, somebody in AEW management has to step in and be like, look, look, man, you can't do this. Like Dean Malenko or or Dustin Rhodes, some of the producers they have. Somebody's yeah. got to step in and just be like, bro, you can't. Like, we can't have you. We can't have you dying on on TV here. Like, that's just we can't have that. And then on top of that, what if Sammy Guevara gets hurt? Well, like, like what if he blows his knee out and he can't wrestle for like a year and a half? Then on top of, on top of Matt Hardy getting hurt, you just now you got one of their youngest up and coming stars on the sidelines now, and and the whole feud itself, the Matt Hardy Sammy Guevara feud has been like it's been like an indie fed thing. They've been like bleeding not every week for the last four weeks on Dynamite. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it. They've been bleeding every week, whether it's one or the other. They've been doing these ridiculous table spots. It literally looks like something that you see at an indie. I I don't know. I don't know why either one of these guys feels the need to do this. Yeah, I mean, look, I've been watching AEW through YouTube clips and then on the UK a couple of days later when it's aired. Um, as we see, they don't air here on, on, on the night live. But when I have seen it, I have been thinking, look, this is very reminiscent of, say, you know, Ric Flair, mid-2000s in WWE, where he'd have those feuds with uh, Mick Foley and, uh, you know, Triple H and stuff where he'd just be bleeding every other week. And it's just unneeded. I mean, you know, sometimes blood use at the right times adds to the feud but we don't need to see it every week and you know when you see these incredibly dangerous spots as well it just doesn't sit well it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable watching it yeah it was just the whole thing man the whole thing was just super uncomfortable like it really killed the vibe of the pay-per-view honestly it really yeah. like it really did like that was an undercard match they did they hadn't gotten to the tag team title match they hadn't gotten to jericho they hadn't gotten to moxley and mjf it really killed the vibe of that whole pay-per-view, man. And I, yeah, I did hear. Okay, I did hear a lot of people said it wasn't one of AEW's best pay-per-view showings since they've uh, been around. So that that just tells you everything. Yeah, I would say it was their weakest pay-per-view they've done yet. Uh, I would say not not because of the Matt Hardy thing, but because I thought the Kenny Omega the Kenny Omega Hangman Page storyline that was disappointing. What they chose to do, you know, that um, Moxley winning the title. Uh, I'm a little tired of Moxley. I don't know. Jericho and Orange Cassidy, I don't really care about. They're just like... And the undercard was... I feel, like, I feel like they need a refresher in terms of their feuds and stuff on television. I think that there's been the same kind of feuds going along for uh, going on for a while. So, for me, there's a couple of feuds that need you know ref- a little bit freshening up. And I think that's something as simple as that could solve the issue there. Because, uh, like you said, it's almost like it's becoming a little bit stale. Just a little bit. Yes, sir. All right, so this is this also, the next thing we're going to talk about is going to tie into AEW as well. So AJ Styles was asked about WWE's third-party policy, third-party company policy, where, you know, apparently the, if you believe the rumors, wrestlers aren't allowed to use Twitch, YouTube, Cameo, etc. So AJ Styles was on a Twitch stream, and he was talk, He was asked about not only the fact that if, if, he'll, if he'll still be able to be on Twitch, but if Vince owns his name. And he said, look... I've been AJ Styles for 20 freaking years. Vince does not own my name. I would like If he wanted to own my name, I would not have gone to, the, to WWE. And then he also said, no, he doesn't own my real name. Like That's just silly to think that he owns anyone's real name. But really, what was really interesting was what he said about Twitch. And it leaves like kind of like what we, what, we t- what we touched on last week, where it's like the big dogs, no pun intended, the big dogs in, in WWE are seemingly going to be allowed to still be on Twitch. 
but it makes me think about the people who don't own their names. Someone like like Mia Yim, for instance, who's not a big star, or uh, Zelina Vega, someone like that. Are they still going to be able to use Twitch? So he he basically said that, yeah, he doesn't think Twitch is is one of the the platforms that's going to be banned. But it could be. And then there are also rumors that WWE is going to be trying to launch their own third party, like their own like cameo like service. So my my question is, do you think that maybe WWE not only are they going to launch their own version of cameo? But could you see them launching their own version of Twitch? Well, I've just got one four-letter word to say to you, and that is tout. And <laughs> tout, of course, was their, you know, pathetic attempt at, you know, breaking this social media, you know, market that um, I think was, you know, very prominent back in 2000 when they started doing these hashtags. Hashtag every segment, you know, Michael Cole was in, going insane with his, <laughs> you know, with his every match. Hashtag the universe. Yeah, exactly. So we could be having this a fucking, you know, a, a debate between Mark Henry and Sheamus, I reckon. And he was like, hashtag debate. And right, it's like, just come on, man. It's just fucking, uh, i got to tell you what. Well, that, use that hashtag, not... John. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to go into a tangent about that. Everybody everybody knows the script of Michael Cole and his um, over-exuberance. But anyway, the point is, look, WWE, they let, put themselves on level with Disney, right? They put themselves on this level where they think that anything they go into, look, I mean, they make movies for God's sake, you know, as we as we come to know. But doesn't mean to say they're very good at it. So in terms of this sort of social media thing that they may introduce, their version of Cameo, I just don't see it working. I mean, come on, look, are you going to stop using Cameo? A regular person, are you going to stop using Cameo for WWE's version of Cameo? And I know you're going to say, well, that's the way the wrestlers would have to be accessed, but nobody's going to go out of their way to just do that. I just can't see it working. I mean, look, they might prove me wrong. A, and a, sig- make a, a small minority, a small, very small fraction of fans will download this WWE version of Cameo app. Yeah, but like I said, mate, I mean, I just don't think it's it's just not viable, you know? Why just do this in the first place? If anything, I think letting the superstars use their platforms individually is actually benefiting the company because ultimately, when it comes down to it, where are people recognising them from? The WWE. Where will people get to see them from, you know, on television? WWE. So, you know, it's a benefit to the company as well. Why would you not want them to, you know, give, provide that exposure? It just doesn't make any fucking sense. So... It's not even worth questioning because how many things do they do that don't make sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, like that. So, it, I like I have friends who know who the New Day is based on their on Xavier Woods YouTube channel. Like that, they don't watch wrestling, but they know Austin Creed, the YouTuber, the gaming YouTuber. He's huge yeah. in that community, huge. So it helps WWE because, like I said, people who don't know who don't really watch wrestling, they know. Austin Creed is from wrestling. Now you're gonna go on. Maybe they, maybe they make their own. Maybe it's not just a cameo, but they make this app and this website where you can stream games and you can, you could connect with wrestlers like you would on Cameo. And yeah, it would be like tout. I, I don't think like nobody that's a regular Twitch user is gonna be like, oh no, I gotta go follow AJ Styles now. I gotta go follow. I gotta go download this other app on top of the hundred million apps that I have, and I gotta go watch only AJ Styles. Cause like if you're one of those people that's on Twitch. And you watch a lot of other gamers, but you happen to just watch AJ, or you happen to just watch Zelina Vega. You're not one of those people that watches every wrestler stream. You probably, odds are, you're not gonna, you're not gonna switch from Twitch to the WWE app just to watch AJ play, AJ play Call of Duty. 
Yeah, and uh, like I said, you know, they've not got the greatest track record. Prove me wrong if they have, you know, mate. I mean, if I'm missing something, but, you know, they make the movies. I can't say they've fucking broken box office records with them. You know, Tao, as we've mentioned, you know, if they introduce another social media app, I'm just... You know, sorry to crap on it, but I just can't see it working. So they've not got the best track uh, track record with stuff like that. So for me, it's it's just stupid anyway to make this rule. You know that they can't use these platforms. But if it is, then I don't see the big you know the big names being affected, like you said. Exactly. And AEW will not let you forget that their wrestlers are allowed to stream on Twitch. I mean, we saw it at the pay per view on Saturday with Kip Sabian and promoting his Twitch. And then we saw it on Monday on Being the Elite, where Brody Lee banned his members of the Dark Order from using Twitch. And then on Dynamite, <laughs> we saw Kip Sabian, he brought out one of his subscribers onto the show, you know, and then he, he's promoting his Twitch again. And then we saw Miro make his debut. This is going to tie in. Rusev, formerly known as Miro, made his debut on Dynamite. What are your thoughts? Um, well, a lot of ground covered there, but... Firstly, in terms of AEW's, you know, over overkill on the WWE joke that they can use Twitch. Look, you know, once is fine, twice you're pushing it, but third time it's unnecessary. So, you know, they made their point. I'm not going to be surprised if they have another shot at them this week with that. But uh, in terms of Miro, look, um, big fan of uh, Miro, formerly known as Rusev from his WWE days, criminally underused in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy for him that he's back on the wrestling scene. I did hear about a possible deal in place with him being able to wrestle in Japan as well. So good for him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, he took a shot at Vince, which does get old these days. But I don't blame him because that's his first kind of public outcry at Vince and, you know, the brass ring comments. So fair play. But if he comes out every week... You know, or every other week, some you know something like a Dean Ambrose or a Brody Lee. That's when it will get old. But in terms of Miro himself, happy to see him back on you know prominent role. And uh, yeah, hopefully they you know let him spread his wings. I don't know if you know this, but on top of wrestling in in AEW and on top of wrestling in Japan, Miro will also be streaming on Twitch. Oh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twitch.tv slash Miro, free plug. He's going to be streaming on Twitch, man. I, I, who would have known? Who would have known? Yeah. Uh, I do. I will check him out, though, because he's a great FIFA player from what I've heard. So, uh, you know, for me, being a FIFA fan in the UK, um, for me, actually, literally, I will um, check Rusev's uh, Twitch channel out, or Miro's, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I think Miro is a impact player in AEW. I, I think he's somebody that... People say all the time, AEW needs to get bigger, more credible talent. They, they have too many indie midgets running around. And they've done that. They brought in Lance Archer. They brought in Brian Cage. Now they've got another credible, great-looking wrestler who's very popular in the community, Miro. Now, I, I, the, the backlash will probably, will probably start if they push him to the top. But I think they made the right call, bringing him in in a, in a mid-card role at the beginning. Teaming him with Kip Sabian... Uh, I think it elevates Kip Sabian to a level that he hasn't been yet in AEW. And I think it helps Rusev out a lot, too, because he's not coming in like Lance Archer. Lance Archer comes in, he loses to Cody in a, in a prominent role, and everybody's like, oh, they buried Lance Archer. He should have been champion. He should have been this, blah, blah, blah. Now they can let Miro develop, and they can let him organically get over instead of trying to force-feed him into the top. 
another point I have to make, which I think goes very underrated or you know under the radar, um, when somebody debuts as the theme, I thought his theme was really good. I liked it, you know. Um, these days, there's not really many themes that you could count on one hand that are you know out there that impress you at least first off the bat you have to give him a few listens but with his theme I'd, for some reason it just clicked with me i liked it so that's another important thing for me presentation so uh yeah i uh, don't know if anybody else feels that way but i was a fan of his theme yeah okay um so yeah miro and AEW. uh what, what do you who do you want to see him feud with first hmm interesting um miro so uh, possibly Possibly before, if, well, I don't know actually, because it depends. Um, I was going to say the first name that came to my mind was an MJF because I don't think MJF will be put into the title picture straight away, but then it looks like he's going to be occupied with Wardlow. The reason I said MJF, by the way, is because I think he'd be a, just a great foil, you know, just mm-hmm. saying to Miro, like, you know, you're, you're another guy from over there, you know, all that sort of stuff. I'd like, I think that'd be entertaining. That's just me, though, but I'm sure you're going to come up with a few names of your own. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm thinking a feud with him and Kip Sabian. I think would be good. I think that's a good because Kip, Kip's got some momentum now. He's getting some notoriety, and I actually think those two feuding would be a pretty good program. And they could feud over who's got the best Twitch channel or something. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, that will be um, good either way. Look, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of options on the table. It's just about thinking who's occupied at the moment. But I mean, eventually, look, all these options are available to him aren't they you know he could uh you know do you reckon he's gonna stay as a face too early to say or do you reckon you know, I, I, think, I think he should stay as a baby face I, I think they should let him just be a, a human being and not like a a foreigner just because he's not from the united states yeah i was i'm telling you this right i've, I've spoke to my friend about this a lot of times uh, i think i've even spoke to you about this a lot of times as well um but i said to both of you guys i said look if i was to debut in wwe just because of my background i think i'd be booked as some sort of american you know anti-american heel you know just because i'm not the typical american or something you know it's like they've done it on so many occasions i mean great carly rusev you know it's just it doesn't make sense always having that foreigner just being a heel you know it doesn't always have to be the case no it doesn't and, and he's a great baby face like he was super over as a baby face in wwe for whatever reason, it didn't work out, but I think it could work out in AEW. The, the question would be, who are the heels? Who's the foil? Like maybe a few, maybe a Rusev and Cody Rhodes feud would be good. A heel Cody Rhodes and a babyface. I would like that. I'd like that. You know, I really like that feud. Come to think of it, you know, have have Miro put Cody in his place. You know, I just yeah. uh, would or be Brody happy with Lee. that. Yeah, Brody Lee. Yeah, there's another one. That's what I mean. There's. A, of options on the table for him so you know that when there's a lot of options like that and you're not scraping the barrel then you know it's looking good because most people he'd be feuding with you'd be happy with that and uh, i'm going to segue into something for you here uh kevin my good yeah. friend and that is the cody Rhodes promotion of his new pr- uh, reality show this week and the timing couldn't have been any more uh, perfect could it but uh, i'll let you take this one over ah for fuck's sake man first of all People on the internet have been calling Cody Triple C, and I've been defending Cody because, I, 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 like, my, my stance was, who else are they going to push? Like, let, let's be honest. Who else are they going to push? You know? But now, it just feels like this guy is just trying to book himself as, as a top guy. Like, he doesn't care about anyone else. Like, it's starting to feel that way. 
they so they 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 do this reality TV show. They promote this reality TV show. They they build it up. They don't tell us what it is, but they build it up in the middle of the show. Tony Giovanni starts screaming, "Oh, breaking news from Cody Rhodes!" So I'm thinking we're gonna see Cody Rhodes is gonna be like, "Hey, you know what? I've been injured. I'll be back. I'll be back in two months, or I'm coming back next week, or I won't be back for six months." I'm thinking we're gonna get something about wrestling related. Brody Lee in his match with Dustin is like yelling at Cody in the camera, and then we got three minutes left in Dynamite, and we get oh breaking news: Cody Rhodes. And, and Cody Rhodes announces a new, a new like reality show, America's Got Talent type show, and he's gonna be one of the judges with Snoop Dogg and some other famous celebrities. And and it's like which one, which one, what was what's how's the expression go? Which one is not like the other? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, I saw that picture as well that they tweeted. I just can't remember the expression in full, but the picture that I saw anyway when you asked me early in the week. Um, did you see Cody's promotion? He just looks odd. He just lets the odd one out. You know, he doesn't look like he's there as a judge or something. He looks like he's asking for an autograph. So it did look out of place. I'm trying to. Okay, so here we go. Okay, so we've got Snoop Dogg, Jennifer Nettles, and Rosario Dawson. I don't. I've never heard of Jennifer Nettles, but Rosario Dawson has been in a ton of things. One of the things that I know her from is the Marvel Netflix, uh, the Marvel Netflix shows. She was pretty big in there. She's, okay. She's been in a, just a ton of movies. She was in a movie with Will Smith. I forgot the name of the movie now, but a huge movie. Like she's ba- basically like Cody just doesn't fit here, and it's like like he's just so he's a booking whore. People say Triple H is a booking whore. Cody Rose is a booking whore. This man created a company to book himself as the top guy because he could <laughs> he couldn't get over in WWE. But on the other side, in fairness. This version of Cody Rose, if he went to WWE, he would be an upper mid-card slash top guy. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, you put Stardust to one side, and uh, yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. Um, In terms of uh, just back to those uh, hosts, though, um, I probably haven't... I'm going to say, I don't think I've heard of any of them bar uh, Snoop Dogg. So for me, um, especially when I hear those names and then I hear Cody Rhodes to me that doesn't elevate the show in any sort of way but that's just me I don't know if that's because in the UK we've you know just not heard of those names prominently which I think is the case unless I've got my head in the clouds but yeah um, that's just a note on that show but yeah you're right if he was in WWE look at this current moment in time he would be upper mid card to main event and I could easily see him you know in some sort of championship feud if he was there but yeah you're right the booking wise um the decisions that cody's made are questionable you know definitely if you've uh, decided to criticize him you know any fans out there you guys then yeah uh, you're justified yeah i mean come on man this guy like all right we get it like his 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 match has to be more important than the title match remember at double or nothing his his match with Lance archer was more important than moxie and brody lee yeah, uh, yeah, that was uh, really um, was a lot, a, a lot of head scratching decisions. But that was probably the worst, in my opinion, considering Brody Lee and Moxley's match was one of the best of the night. I, I thought All Out was quite refreshing that that there wasn't a Cody match. I, I got to be a hundred percent honest. Well, when when that comes across to you, then you definitely know what you're saying is right because uh, you know, considering he's one of the top guys in the company, and when he's not on the card, it feels refreshing. Then, you know, that says something, doesn't it? And, and yeah, exactly. And I love Cody Rhodes. I love him. 
I, I, I've loved him. I didn't love him in WWE, but I've loved him in his time outside of WWE. I thought he's really found his way. I, 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 they had to keep him babyface at the beginning of AEW. They had no choice because people just weren't going to boo him. But then as the months go, went on, I just started to feel like it was time to turn him. And I, and now they're setting him up for this big babyface return when he does come back. It's going to be him and Dustin and his wife, and they're going to go up against the Dark Order. And it's going to be this this triumphant return for the babyface. So we know he's we're not getting a heel Cody anytime soon. But I think heel Cody is the best Cody, honestly. I really do. Yeah, um, some characters or some wrestlers suit certain characters. And for me, this is one of them. You know, Cody just screams heel. You know, it's something like The Miz. You just don't turn Miz babyface and expect it to be positive. So, you know, um, same with Cody here. Yeah. All right. Is it time for the main event now? It is. And you touched on the man himself um, briefly while you were explaining um, your thoughts about Cody there in the form of Triple, and that is Triple H. Now, you and me have had an interesting chat about this uh, a few days back, and we thought, why not bring this to the podcast this week? And the topic in question is Triple H and the so-called quote-unquote golden shovel that he carries around we seem to think and with some valid points that that may not be the case yeah yeah triple h okay so for years not for years but for a while like i said up top for a few years i started subscribing to this theory because i love triple h as a kid he was one of my favorite wrestlers and that says something being that he was a heel that should say something when i got older and like especially after the match with cm punk i, I started really subscribing to this theory that he that he was he buried a lot of people that he had a reign of terror golden shovel you know he like they people would say oh he buried guys like Shelton Benjamin RVD Scott Steiner Jeff Hardy the, the list go on and on but Triple H Triple H really didn't bury anybody Triple H has done more for the business arguably than anyone else has and we're here we are going to put to bed this myth that Triple H buried people yeah, absolutely. And uh, before anybody decides to, um, you know, walk away now or turn the volume down or turn this off, listen to the points because you know what, you will probably struggle to have a counter argument. I'm gonna pop my money by my mouth and say that. So, Kevin, fire away with your first point about this. So I'm just gonna read his card. I mean, his. I'm just gonna. Look, I'm just gonna read off the matches that he's had at WrestleMania. Yeah. WrestleMania 2000. I start with 2000 because the matches he had at WrestleMania really didn't matter before this. He has a Fatal 4-Way versus Mick Foley, Big Show, and The Rock. He wins. Okay. Not not a big deal. The match really had didn't have a lot of luster to it. Triple H was still young. He wasn't really married to Stephanie. He was still a young, for the most part, up and coming. Like This really helped solidify him as a main event player. He was coming off an insane feud with, with Cactus Jack. Uh, arguably Triple H's best matches with Mick Foley. So there really was no reason to have him lose or to have him lose here. The only gripe that people have is that it should have been one-on-one with The Rock and Triple H. They didn't really need the Fatal 4-Way. And I agree with that. And that's not really Triple H's fault. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, it should have been Rock and Triple H, but yeah. Yeah. So well, what are your thoughts on that? WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, look, I mean, it's one of them things, isn't it? It's just the fact that you know, people look back at it and think, um, oh, he won the match and that man's all turned on the individual superstars and whatever. But yeah, I mean, if you, in hindsight, 
you know, it, it, was it the worst decision? Because if he had faced The Rock, that could have gone 50-50 anyway. So, yeah, him winning that WrestleMania 2000 wasn't a big issue for me. But just like you said, the biggest thing it should have been is just a one-on-one singles match between Triple H and The Rock. Look, you know what? I'm going to go back. WrestleMania 12. Triple H got buried by The Ultimate Warrior. Buried. The Ultimate Warrior kicked... <laughs> the Ultimate Warrior no-sold the pedigree. One of the most iconic wrestling moves. One of the five or six most iconic wrestling moves of all time. He no-sold the pedigree. Beat him in like a minute and a half. Whatever it was. So yeah, yeah. Triple H, yeah, Triple H buried The Ultimate Warrior, guys. There you go. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, to kick off, like we said, 2000, not a big deal, really. And, uh, yeah, probably should have been Triple H on the rock, but small detail. 2001, Triple H versus Undertaker. Undertaker beats them. They really had nothing for these guys to do, so they put them together. It was like a classic, just throw these two guys together. Nothing wrong there. Nothing really to say there, honestly. What a fucking match, by the way. What a match. Yeah, the WrestleMania, well, WrestleMania 18, Chris Jericho. Um, versus Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho had a long run. This did no damage to Chris Jericho whatsoever. Uh, the the few the storyline made sense. Everybody was cheering. Excuse me, Triple H. This was the best he's been as a babyface. I, I think I think the best ever. As, uh, the best he's ever been as a babyface. And then he lost the title a month later to Hulk Hogan, like seventy five year old Hulk Hogan. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he really buried Chris Jericho there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the biggest... Chris Jericho's like the biggest star of your precious AEW, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the biggest um, issue people have with this isn't even something to do with Triple H. It's just the fact that the main event on that night in Toronto should have been Hulk Hogan and The Rock, and I think nobody can fucking argue that. So I think it was just the placement on the card. But look, once again, the right outcome on the night, Triple H should have won the title. Just the placement on the card was the issue. But, you know, who could have topped Hulk Hogan and The Rock? Exactly. Now here's where it gets fuzzy. This yes, WrestleMania 19, Triple H versus Booker T. I'm not gonna sit here and say that Triple H should have won this match. This was in poor taste. The whole angle with Booker T. But I mean, it happens. And Booker T turned out fine. Booker T is still one of the most respected legends in the in the history of wrestling. Still he's relevant got, to this day. Yeah, he's got a podcast. He's got a school. Like he's Booker T, man. Everybody loves Booker T. He went on to be King Booker. He made the King of the Ring gimmick work. Like like. Nobody else aside from Macho Man, and yeah, he shouldn't have he shouldn't have won this match clean. There was no reason to have this to have this storyline play out the way it did. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously, nobody's going to be in you know disagreement here that the whole storyline, the whole finish was not great, and that's even being kind. But to say that that is the you know reason to call his whole WrestleMania run for Triple H or his, you know, burying of so-called superstars to just define it by that one feud, I don't think is quite fair. And like you said, Kevin, you know, Booker T was not affected by this in the way people think. I mean, yes, should have won the world title on that night. But like you said, years later, he won another world title, came Booker, relevant to this day. You know, he's he's still Booker T. Nobody's an iconic look- catchphrase. Everybody yeah. knows Booker T, Sucker, and the five-time. Like People who don't know there wrestling know that. Yeah, and Spinner Rooney. You know, look, all these things. I mean, this guy nearly got The Undertaker to do a Spinner Rooney in a dark segment on Raw. You know, how everybody tries to break Undertaker's character. You know, Undertaker nearly did the Spinner Rooney back in uh, 2002 or three, I think it was. So, look, I mean, look, the guy's iconic. You know, one of the greats. And... Um, 
without a shadow of a doubt, like we said, right, wrong result on the night, but it didn't harm him the way people think. But yeah, um, WrestleMania 19, that covers Triple H and Booker T. And then, and then people say in this late, late 02, 03, 04, the reign of terror. Okay, so, all right, let's look at 2003, the Royal Rumble. Before WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble and whatever pay-per-view it was, No Way Out. He beats Scott Steiner twice. Did you really yeah. want Scott Steiner to win? Scott Steiner couldn't even wrestle. He had a broken ankle. He, like, did you want Scott Steiner to win the world title? Did I fuck? I mean, look, Scott Steiner winning the world title, maybe in WCW 2000, may have been fucking on top of your shopping list, you know, for the WCW hardcore fans. But no, not in 2003, not by a long shot. I think the Scott worst thing Steiner. about... Scott Steiner. You want Scott Steiner to beat Triple H? Like, come on. Give me a break. Triple H had I think to the worst carry thing... him to two horrible matches. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. I think the worst thing about that was just the matches. If they had half-decent matches, then I think people wouldn't have minded as much. But it's the fact that the matches were horrible as well. Who else? During this time frame on Raw, who else is going to carry the title? Triple H was the only guy that had any kind of notoriety on the brand on Raw. Who else? Who else is going to carry the title? Well, you know, one guy who could have done was Kane, but then along came Katie Vick, so that's all we're going to say about that. Yeah, even even still, Kane. I'd rather have Triple H over Kane. Um, and, and then there was, you know, that he feuded with Shawn Michaels throughout 2003 for for quite some time, and yeah, that was great. That was that those feuds was great. It was a great story. They had the you know the Hell in a Cell, the First Blood, but then in 2004. Every Smarks favorite wrestler, like the amount, it makes me sick how many people name Chris Benoit and their top wrestlers of all time to this day. It literally makes me sick. Triple H made Chris Benoit's career, made his career. Benoit holds the title for like five months. He beats him twice at WrestleMania. Taps, he taps in the middle of the ring to Chris Benoit. And you're gonna say Triple H buries people? How many times has John Cena tapped out in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania? How many times has John Cena <laughs> tapped out? Period. Point blank. How you're many times a, has John you're on a roll, Cena tapped bro. out? Triple H tapped out not once to Chris Benoit, but then he, I think he tapped out twice to Benoit, maybe beat him by pin at Backlash, whatever it was. And then he taps out to Cena two years later. Like, how is this guy a burial machine? Yeah, so 04 and um, 06, you know, it was um, some of the, you know, probable worst two things you probably wouldn't see Triple H do, quote unquote, by, you know, fans saying, oh, he would never tap to anybody in the middle of the ring clean but he did you know like you said Captain Benoit. Chris Benoit every Smarks favorite wrestler Chris Benoit Chris Benoit he tapped out to not 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 just John Cena Chris Benoit Chris I can't like, like it's just unbelievable <laughs> Benoit yeah and fucking hell I mean look, look right at the end of the day if people say it was such a bad reign of fucking terror then Chris Benoit was the man that got to end that and in what an emphatic fucking way by making the guy tap in the middle of the ring at Wrestlemania you know but Triple H could have easily dropped the title at Backlash but no he dropped it at Mania and then allowed Benoit and Guerrero to have that classic moment which of course we can't relive but it did happen so, you know, Triple H, you know, you've got to give him credit for that. And then 2005, um, uh, hold on, Triple hold on, H. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And then Evolution. He makes Randy Orton. Randy Orton, he's he's in this, this faction, one of the greatest factions of all time with Randy Orton and Batista. Randy Orton beats Chris Benoit for the title. A month later, they put it back on Triple H because Orton was so bad. Like, that babyface run with Randy Orton, 
was I have I have nightmares. Utter, about utter, him. utter shit, yeah, utter crap. And oh. yeah, he completely buried Randy Orton. Randy Orton is still raping WWE for all the money they have in 2020. <laughs> you know, he's still getting paid hand over fist to do nothing, to to punt kick and to say, oh, that was uh, man, I'm, that's tough. You know, he's like he, Randy Orton. He does it. Uh, Triple H made his career too. Triple H yeah, made he, his he, career. He achieved the objective that he set out to do, which was to make two guys. Plus, he made Ric Flair relevant again because, you know, Ric Flair was nowhere in 2002 and then Triple H had him by his side, you know. That isn't that isn't just a fucking gimmick. It was true, you know. Triple H got Ric Flair back into, you know, relevancy and then got this group together. So that was brilliant as well. You've got to, you know, give him the credit for that. Yeah, and then 05, Batista, one of the greatest main events in WrestleMania history. Triple H, Batista, twice in a row. Twice in a row, Triple H loses clean in the in the middle of the ring in the main event for a world title. Batista Not beats him build. this time. The, the build, the storyline, one of the greatest storylines of all time, the Triple H and Batista storyline. That was supposed to be Randy Orton, but Randy Orton sucks so much as a babyface, they had to give it to Batista. Yeah, and, uh, you know, with it being Batista in the end by, by default... You know, it ended up being brilliant because he was well believable the way they were just thinking of him as some sort of fucking big idiot who just didn't know what to do apart from follow instructions. But then Batista looked, come out and said, look, look, you fucking guys, you know, to him and Ric Flair think you can just mess me about. Well, no, it's not going to happen. You want me to move to SmackDown to challenge for the world title uh, or for the WWE Championship? Not going to happen. And that powerbomb through that table on Raw for the contract signing was fucking epic, you know, still to this day. Iconic. Iconic. And then now Cena. Okay. He taps out to Cena. Tapped out two out of... He lost three years in a row in the main event. And then he was hurt in 2007, but he was going to run it back with Cena and probably lose again to Cena. So he, he loses three years in a row clean in the main event in the main event of WrestleMania. The final match, he loses clean three years in a row. He taps out two of those three years. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't really. I can't fathom my brain around where this Triple H burial golden shovel <laughs> machine comes from. Well, this is it. Look, I mean, if people hate Triple H, you're supposed to fucking hate him. I mean, look, he builds himself up through the year, or gets built up as this fucking despisable. You know, not even a word, but this heel that you're supposed to despise and fucking hate. And that's the whole point. He gets his comeuppance at WrestleMania, and he loses, and he fucking loses clean at that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I he, can't just fucking... He lost clean two years prior, and then he made Cena the face of the company. He he lost clean two years prior, and it's still... Beating Triple H still meant that much that it elevated Cena to the next level. That That's unfathomable. He's like the perfect heel. Think about it. Think about it. Anybody else loses two years clean in a row at WrestleMania, just about anybody else. You beat him three years in a row, it's not going to matter. I think it's fair to say even Stone Cold Steve Austin would probably not have lost three years in the row clean. I know Triple H wasn't the man of the company, just like Stone Cold and The Rock were in the time. But my point is, is big names before Triple H would probably not have done so. And it's true, they haven't. I mean, you know, can you name another big fucking marquee name in the WWE that has put over the amount of big names that Triple H has in terms of building their careers? I really can't. That's, that's the weird thing. People still seem to think that he buries people. No, I mean, Shawn Michaels is up there, you know, Jericho, Undertaker, they've put over guys, but not to the level that Triple H has. 
Triple yeah, H, that's what I mean. Yeah. And it's just amazing that he lost two years prior and then he comes back and is still beating Triple H is still a big deal. He's that good of a heel that you still want to see him get beat. And Cena still and Cena beats him again. And then okay, so then oh eight he has a triple threat or the rest of oh six he does nothing but comedy gimmick with Shawn Michaels and and sticking Vince's head up Big Show's ass. The, the Spirit Squad, yeah, he really buried he was really burying talent doing that stuff. Then oh seven he's hurt for most of the year. He comes back, he faces Booker T at SummerSlam. I don't even remember the outcome of that. Do you know what happened? I think he won. It was the King of Kings gimmick, you know, King Booker and versus King of Kings. I think that was basically where they did with that. But that was neither here nor there. You know, Triple H won that. You expect that after a return from an injury. Yeah, it's SummerSlam. And then 08, 08 he faces uh, Cena and Randy Orton in triple threat. And Randy Orton beats those guys like he like he needed that, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, a forgettable triple threat match as well to say the it wasn't nothing, you know, that I remember certainly anyway. But yeah, that's the point. He still got beat with that. And then 09, the feud that could have been better in the match execution, but it was Randy Orton and Triple H. And once again, and, he and was unlucky. Did, did you want Randy Orton to win, honestly? Who would want yeah. Randy Orton to win? Randy Orton sucks. And, and another case being unlucky with the timing of the match, because who could have fucking beat the the reaction and the match the story that Undertaker and Shawn Michaels told earlier in the night it was impossible mm-hmm. you know it just was never going to happen so you know once again the placement of the match really hurt but also just a silly stipulation they had with you know Orton um, you know Triple H not being able to use any weapons otherwise he was disqualified but the point is look that match had no other outcome but a Triple H win to make sense and, literally and, and who cares who cares Okay, I mean, what? Did, not who cares? But what did you expect? Well, what did you expect from Triple H? And from the storyline perspective, Randy Orton RKO'd his wife, kissed her in front of him while he was handcuffed. What the hell else did you want? You want Randy Orton to beat that guy? Like that would have been like that would have been like the Triple H Booker T thing. That would have been it would have been stupid if Randy Orton would have won. Um, and then 2010, Sheamus. Like I can't believe Sheamus has been in WWE for 10 years now. He beats Sheamus. Who cares? That match, nobody cared. They tried to make Sheamus a big star. It didn't work. Well, to be fair, just on a quick note, WrestleMania aside, after um, in extre- Extreme Rules, Sheamus was um, Sheamus put him, um, you know, beat him off TV when he hit him with this pipe. Mm. He hit him with the steel pipe, and he beat him Extreme Rules. So that was Triple H written off TV. I think that was the end of Triple H's last full time run with the company, and then he evolved into the backstage role. So Sheamus still got to be put over by Triple H after WrestleMania. Yeah, then he had two iconic, two iconic matches with The Undertaker at 27 and 28, 2011, 2012. They're iconic matches. The winner and loser didn't matter. Yeah, Undertaker won, but who didn't matter who won or who lost. They just, it's just seeing two legends, two icons having this, these great, unbel- like that's what wrestling's supposed to be. Two believable, two badasses having these great matches. And, I mean, look, the, the the story was perfect. You know, the first one in in Atlanta, they didn't have to say a word. Just look at the sign and that's it. Game on. You know, no pun intended. And then in terms of then WrestleMania 28, the story was there with Sean and the brilliant, um, you know, the, the, the theme song that they had used as well. I think it was Metallica. You know, the memory remains. That was brilliant. You know, the whole thing. And then me having the... Attitude era, you know, marking how I'll admit it to you. Look, for me, it was perfect. So for me, that was an iconic match, just like you said. It had everything. Exactly. And then 2013, 
Brock Lesnar, they did this whole thing where Triple H is going to lose if he retires. And yeah, Brock Lesnar just broke his arm a few months back. He F5 Vince, for God's sake. And and who cares? Like, he, he beat Brock. Okay, who gives a shit? It's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Brock Lesnar is like the richest man in the history of wrestling. Like, he, he has Vince by the balls more than anybody's ever had Vince by the balls. So he shows and then I think Lesnar, I think Lesnar got the revenge at Extreme Rules the month later as well in the Steel and Cage, him, and he beat him at SummerSlam prior. Yeah, you know, so Triple H won once at WrestleMania. Yeah, maybe yeah, you could argue Triple H hoard himself into a WrestleMania win, but it's against Brock Lesnar in a match that nobody cares about. Like I don't care about that match, man. Eh, whatever. Um, yeah, so whatever. Triple H, Brock Lesnar. That's a great match though. Who wouldn't want to see that? That's an iconic. That's those are two iconic guys again, like Undertaker. Two iconic guys going up against each other. And at WrestleMania yeah. 30, 2014, uh, another Smarts delight. Everybody's favorite now, Daniel Bryan. People are thinking, oh my God, Triple H is going to kill Daniel Bryan's career here at WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan beats him clean. One, two, three. Then he beats all of Evolution. He beats all of Evolution in one night. He beats Orton. He beats Batista in the main event. Like. Uh, what else? Do you, what else could you say? What else do we do? We even have to keep going. He he put over Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan's like four foot eight. He put him over. <laughs> I mean, look. If you if you said to you know fans from ROH back in the day that at WrestleMania thirty, the thirtieth WrestleMania, that Daniel Bryan would be beating Triple H clean in the middle of the fucking ring, you know, I don't think you would have had much. You know, many people taking you seriously. So. So that for that to actually have happened, and then the rest of Evolution to lose to him later in the night, that tells you something, you know. And Triple H once again had no issue with putting him over. The, the storyline building up to it, you know, how they had the yes moment in the ring, and Triple H beat Daniel Bryan down, all concluded to this brilliant story. And that opening match at WrestleMania is up there with one of the best of all time. Yeah, that's easily. I would say that's Triple H's best WrestleMania match. I would say in terms of like in-ring quality, bell to bell. They had just a good, believable match, and the crowd was on the, on Daniel Bryan's side because Triple H is such. Still, Triple that was what eight years removed. No, it's eight. Yeah, eight years removed from when Triple H tapped out the John Cena. Eight years later, it still means just as much as it did in two thousand six, just as much as it did in two thousand four to get a clean win over Triple H. Like, what else do we need to say? Uh, honestly, that this guy. What like. He lost. He's he loses all the time at WrestleMania. People still come back and want to see him get his ass kicked. Still. Yeah, I mean he has got one of the worst records in WrestleMania history. But you know when he does get a win, it seems as if he's getting a win in these matches with say legends or you know people that are his backstage buddies like Sheamus. Sheamus is really close with Triple H, so you know these sort of matches that really don't matter. And then a month later, you know Sheamus beats him anyway. So the point is, is you know. Is it right? Is it either really? It's neither here nor there, is it really? And then we move on to WrestleMania 31, and this match. Look, I would say for me it was the wrong result. Sting uh, should have beat Triple H, but then you always had Vince with this obsession of still burying WCW all these years later, so it was never going to happen. But then it was still an iconic moment. I mean, for all you know, the jokes about Kevin Nash and his quads running down to the ring or whatever, you know, it was still iconic to see DX and NWO in the ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, he buried Sting, for God's sakes. Sting is one of the richest people in wrestling, one of the most iconic characters. Yeah, he buried Sting. He ruined Sting's legacy. Sting still makes a shitload of money doing autograph signings. 
He's before WWE. He was an icon. After WWE, he's an icon. It was an iconic moment to see him and Triple H stare down each other. It was a good ode to the Attitude Era. It was great. It was a great WrestleMania moment to have them two fight. It was absolutely. And then 2016. Guess what? Triple H loses again in another WrestleMania main event to another up-and-coming star. He well, well, sorry to interrupt you, bro. Sorry to interrupt you, bro, but we forgot one thing. WrestleMania 31, later in the night, he got he got owned by Ronda Rousey because he got thrown about in the ring with by her and The Rock. Yeah, we're, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. He helped he helped make Ronda Rousey. We're going to get to that, though. We're going to get to Ronda Rousey. He makes Roman Reigns' career. 2016, makes Roman, he makes another career. It's still... Twelve years removed from when when he when ben, when he tapped out the Ben Wall, he's still making guys' careers. It still means something to, to lose a Triple H at WrestleMania in the main event. Yeah, it wasn't the best storyline. It was a ripoff of the Daniel Bryan storyline, and they tried to sell his Roman Reigns as an underdog when we knew he was the handpicked guy. It was a corny storyline. But bottom yeah. line, Roman Reigns beat him in the main event of WrestleMania. And then the next year, another guy from the Shield beats him. Seth Rollins beats him. Hell, Seth Rollins put Stephanie McMahon through a freaking table. Like he it still again it still means something to lose to Triple H, like, still. Yeah, and then we move to WrestleMania 33 as we said with the tag match him and Stephanie against Kurt Angle and Ronda. Originally, I think the plan was always for it to be The Rock, but it never got to that point. But Kurt Angle and Ronda and fucking hell, I mean he made Ronda look a million dollars on that he night. Safe put him through a table on Raw going up to WrestleMania. One of the most yeah. viral moments in the history of WWE was Ronda Rousey putting Triple H through a table on Raw. That's still one of the most played clips on WWE's Twitter and YouTube, and and that was on Sports Center. Would that matter? If Ronda Rousey put Daniel Bryan through a table, you think people would care the same way that they did when she put Triple H through a table? What the shit? You know, what the heck? It's a Triple H, man. Honest to God, who doesn't fucking know Triple H? People would, yes, people would care if she put Daniel Bryan through a table, but it's like, whoa, that's Triple H. Like, that's one of the baddest, toughest, biggest wrestlers of all time. And that's, he put her, he put Ronda Rousey over. He instantly made her. Instantly. And then the tag team match was great. With Kurt Angle, you got you got Kurt Angle and Triple H at the ring. They can't have a bad match. It's impossible. Yeah, and then was it WrestleMania 35 next? Is it or we missed one out? Yeah, after this. Batista. Uh, yeah, and Batista. Yeah, and Batista. Look, he said it, it was no secret. Batista wanted Triple H to be his last match anyway. So regardless of um, you know what happened there, which was obviously Triple H, you know, winning, it was always going to be, you know, that's just. Just as the throwback to these evolution mates and you know these friends who just wanted to have this match, and you're always going to have a nostalgia match at Mania this at this point every single year. So that was the one for this year, and Batista got what he wanted. So fair play, you can't begrudge him a match for his retirement, can you? No, not at all, not at all. What like what's I don't yeah he buried Batista yeah uh, anything Daniel Bryan buried Batista the year before or in 2014. <laughs> yeah exactly and then 2016 of course he wasn't on the card and we all know the situation behind Mania this um, oh sorry Wrestlemania 36 I apologise we all know the situation behind Wrestlemania yeah. this year but at the end of the day it would have been easy for him to book himself on a card but he didn't there was no need and then with all this stuff that he does with NXT Papa H as we now call him you know he's doing so much with the business so for me I just really don't understand where this myth comes from. When you actually broke this down to me earlier in the week, it made a lot of sense. And to be fair, you know, I've been a Triple H mark since 2000 when I started watching. So this really just reaffirms my, uh, you know, 
fandom of Triple H, and uh, I've got to give you a thank you for that, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad I brought you to the light. You've been, you've been on. You've been on top form tonight, though. I'll tell you what. You've been absolutely on top form with the Cody stuff and then the Triple H stuff. You know, obviously, you guys have got a treat tonight with the, the way Kevin's, uh, you know, schooling. Not <laughs> any of you who think Triple H is uh, a burial machine because he's fucking not. And if this doesn't prove otherwise, then I don't know what you guys need. Yeah, like like people act like he's John Cena. Like John 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 Cena's not tapped out to anyone. John Cena will never tap out. John Cena will. Almost never lose clean at WrestleMania. You know, like, <laughs> I don't understand. I don't just. I just. I. I don't understand where this thing comes from. With Triple H, he's he's one two, of the greatest. Two names. Two names override anything. Uh, two names associated with John Cena override anything for me that Triple H has done. And those two names are Bray Wyatt and Wade Barrett. Yeah. And exactly. Off. Exactly. And and Triple H made he made. He made Daniel Bryan. He made Chris Benoit. He made all of your favorites. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. When when it comes down to doing business, Triple H will always do business, and and he does business. Meanwhile, of maintaining his status as one of the greatest of all time, so he's he's proof that winning really doesn't matter in wrestling. Absolutely, and you know, we always get those uh, arguments. Oh, but Sean's better. But do you know what? I don't really think it's a competition of Sean's better or not. At the end of the day, they're two different guys, two different wrestlers, two different aims in the business. You know, you know, one's a little bit more flamboyant. One's literally a you know, he, he's a he, he's a product of the business. You know, Triple H. You know, that's why they call him the fucking game after all. So, you know, when it comes to people comparing, say, the two or any other wrestlers with Triple H and saying, no, he's not. You know, one of the greatest in the ring. You're not looking at it from the point of view overall in terms of where he puts over and you know all he's been doing. You don't look at it from that point of view. You just look at it from an in-ring point, and that's not fair. And even then, you know, he still is one of the best of all time. You know, I'm not saying he's you know an AJ Styles, but they're two different wrestlers, so you can't compare the two. Yeah. Uh, also, an, an iconic entrance, the most mimicked entrance ever with the water, the water spot, like. I don't know, bro. I don't know. Look, 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 before anybody says, look, we aren't, we aren't, we aren't, you know, haven't got our heads in the clouds as much as you might think so. Look, we do get that, you know, Triple H at times in his career has deserved a lot of uh, criticism. I mean, we've said it, Booker T and, you know, those point of views where you can look at the sting and all sort of different things, you know. But at the end of the day, we also have to remember that credit is is credit is given where it's due and when it comes to triple h i just honestly think that and not enough of it is given especially in terms of his in ring career because you know for all the burying quote unquote he's done you know has he really buried a lot of people not for me yeah all right man it's time to wrap this up my throat i i, I just i screamed enough tonight <laughs> yeah it's been it's been an entertaining listen though i tell you what um even as your co-host uh, kevin it's been a uh, great to listen to um a lot of points tonight i think we've covered a lot of great topics and for in a week where there's not been as much wrestling news you know especially considering what it was last week uh still been a, an entertaining show yes sir all right well we'll be back next week uh keep it locked here you can find us on um just about every platform except spotify you know itunes soundcloud Everywhere you can hit us up on all everything entertainment.com, uh, uh, all over the place. And, and thank you all so much for listening. Yep, and just before we go, you can find me on my YouTube channel at 
Top Rope News and Sports and on Instagram at async414 and finally on Twitter at a underscore sing92. And Kevin, where can we find you on the social media? Uh, Bonafide Heat on Twitter and Instagram. Bonafide Heat, my YouTube channel as well. I upload daily content, wrestling-related content, some NBA stuff thrown in here and there. Yeah, that's, that's it, man. That's it for me. All right. Well, thanks once again, guys, for joining us this week, and we'll see you again for Episode 5 next week. Take care.